the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Byrne. And me, Rob Davis. Today we have a fantastic episode, but first we want to issue a teeny tiny apology. Uh, it has been uh, a little bit more time than normal between recordings. Um, and this is mostly because... I have started a new job, and Rob is doing a master's degree. Yeah. Um, it turns out you actually have to do work for those, so... Yeah, <laughs> and uh, time is is not being kind at the moment. Um, so we are trying desperately to find more hours in the day to give you our, our best uh, foot forward, as it were. Yeah, um, but we are back and we are planning. We are planning new ways to record that will allow us to do uh, more episodes. Uh, it, it kind of uh, other times so that we can get back to a weekly schedule. So we are going nowhere. Do not worry. Uh, right. So let's dive into power networking. What have we got this week, Rob? Um. I honestly didn't know what to do for this, so I thought I'd focus on a, a bit of a catch-up on what we've been reading outside of the show that preferably isn't related to Dresden Files. So, yeah, with that in mind, uh, what have you been reading lately? Uh, yeah, so, uh, as always, I am doing the D&D research, uh, and I have been on a book-buying rampage. <laughs> I've seen... Uh, I think Rob, yeah, Rob's seen quite a lot of what I've, I've bought because I, I kind of take pictures and send them as I buy them. Um, so I've been collecting the fourth edition D&D books, which I think a lot of people would be surprised at. Um, it's not the most well-regarded of D&D um, books out there, uh, or D&D. It's not the most well-regarded edition, should I say. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I've been really enjoying it. I now have pretty much every fourth edition book um, that that can be bought, um, with, apart from the modules, because I don't want to run the modules so much as I wanted the lore. Um, so I, uh, I've been learning a lot about the multiverse of Dungeons & Dragons and kind of focusing around there. Uh Apart from that, uh, I've kept going with my, my Warhammer Horus Heresy uh, binge, and I uh, that's going really, really well. Uh, I'm now on the first Heretic, which I believe is book 16. Jesus. Um, that's, I, and that's all been this year, um, so I'm 16 novels in, um, which is... It's crazy because it still feels like I'm in the first act of the war. Just like <laughs> everything's still kind of like getting ready to really kick off. Um, so that's been really strange, but I'm, I'm still really enjoying that. Um, what else have I been reading? Uh, oh, I've, I've started Ready Player Two from Ernest Klein. How is it? I've heard um, a lot of mixed things about it so far. <laughs> um. At the moment, I'm not that far in, so I won't make any like massive judgments. Yeah. But it suffered a lot with the the issue of like a sequel reset, I guess. Yeah. Um. 
So th- this is within the first. Um, this I think it's actually like a a, a preface, not even a, the first chapter. Um, essentially, the book picks up during like almost immediately after the the end of the first book hmm. and uh the main character finds a a new functionality within the oasis that he's able to unlock um and at the moment it kind of feels like it's just kicked off uh it's like at the beginning of the first book where like it was talking about what the oasis had done for humanity it's now what this new functionality has done for humanity and, and and what effect that's had so i don't know at the moment and and certain things about some of the characters have reset um like it's not a spoiler to say that really that in the first i think it i think it actually is is within that preface hmm. um uh Parzival and Artemis break up. Fair enough. Um and so that so Parzival is kind of reset back to this like loner gamer kind of guy. Um that being said, all the things that I loved about the first book are back again. Um so I guess at the moment I've I've got a very like Ghostbusters 2 hangover 2 kind of vibe yeah. of we're just doing the same thing again, but I'm totally up for that. Like, there's a there's a new kind of quest. There's a new uh, aspect to it. Um, there's some fun like techie bits going on. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Fair enough. I will eagerly await your review because there, there's very little good I've seen about it so far. So I've been very very skeptical. I, I definitely think if you like the first book, it's got a it's got a lot of what the first yeah, book Yeah, I, I mean, with, with the complaints I've seen, it's like all the stuff people are complaining about is present in the first book and his other book, Armada. And that's yeah. really just pop culture references, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm... come on, the audiobook done by Will Wheaton. It's, it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it's Big Bang Theory kind of humour, um, if that's what you're into. I mean, yeah, I get, I, I enjoy some of it. Some of it, I just enjoy the references. I, I feel he's very much an author of, um, you, you know what you're getting if you've already read, like Ready Player One. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel exactly. if you're going into it, <laughs> you know what you're going to get, I guess, which is a fun time. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, sometimes I don't want like to think so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's fine. Um, I've got a couple of things kind of on my to read list. Um, uh, the first one is kind of mental, but I've been playing a lot of Minecraft recently. Yeah. Um, with uh, with one of our, one of our mutual friends and. Uh, <laughs> I found out that the the newest Minecraft book is written by Max Brooks, who wrote oh, no way. Um, World War Z and the Zombie Survival Guide. Yeah, and the audiobook is narrated by one Jack Black. Get out. Uh, so I've I've bought it, and 
I, I did not think I would ever read or or listen to a Minecraft novel, but I'm gonna give it a whirl with Max Brooks and Jack Black as my co-pilots. So I feel like it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, why not? I'm I'm intrigued. I'm not a fan of Minecraft at all, but I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it it focuses a lot on the zombie stuff in Minecraft, so maybe that's why. Yeah, that would make they got Max. That would make sense. Yeah, I can run with that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in that. So that's that's that. Uh, the other thing I've got, uh, I've got a bit of a comic book pile building now. Um, I've got Empire, which was the big Marvel crossover this year. Um, the X Men tie-in to that, which I'm looking forward to, which is apparently about the deceased mutants in Genosha coming back to life. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to watch uh, to watching no reading <laughs> that. Uh, I've got Dawn of X Volume Nine and Ten, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'm just looking over at my pile. Um, I have uh, three Jokers, um, which is going to be that's the first one on my list for this weekend. Nice. Um, I cannot wait to read Three Jokers. I don't know what the fan community response to it has been. Nor do I. I, um, I it's it's probably the first I comic book in ages where I've just not looked up any reviews, any spoilers, and that's because what it was teased five years ago, I think, five, four or five years ago. Yeah, and it has been a fucking long wait. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Apparently, I, it, um, I do feel like that. Yeah, sorry. Um, I was just going to say that I, I'm sure I read uh, either on Jeff Johns or I think the artist, I want to say Gary Frank, one of them posted on Twitter that it's been confirmed we're getting a sequel as well. Called Four Jokers. <laughs> What's better than three? Four. <laughs> um, okay, that in some ways doesn't make me doesn't really make me happy but in other ways i i, I get it so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mean i guess that yeah. means it's then, well yeah i suppose um yeah i suppose <laughs> so how about how about yourself Rob? what have you been reading oh man i feel like when i wrote the question down on the notes i had a, i had some really good answers but now i know i keep hitting a bit of a slump on reading because I've got so much to do for my course and it's all really dense theory stuff which I don't want to bore people with on here because it gives me a headache and puts me to sleep at the best of times but um, I'm very very slowly reading uh, Firestarter by Stephen King um, and I've been reading that since mid-August and I, I keep losing track of it because surely, surely, I, you mean, surely you mean the fireman by Joe Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, sadly not. Um, yeah, I mean, I recommend the fire start. I'm only like a hundred pages in. It's taken me this long to get a hundred pages in, which is ridiculous. And that's because every time I pick it up, I'll do like 10 pages and then get distracted by another book. A Dresden file book comes out. You know how it works. You, you you start doing a master's degree and suddenly time is <laughs> gone. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, 
not much. Um, I kind of I've been dabbling like in and out of various books. So I've started listening to the audiobook for uh, Barack Obama's new book, um, which I've now just forgotten the name of. Bear with me. I think it's called The Promised Land. Okay. I can confirm that in just a moment when Audible decides to load. For God's sake, Audible. <laughs> it loads fine all the time apart from now. Um, yeah. Oh my God, come on. Uh, yeah, The Promised Land by Barack Obama. I mean, I've only done like a chapter of it because like I say, I'm dipping in and out of things when I have time. Um, and yeah, that, that one chapter was really interesting. I enjoyed that, so... I'll be continuing at some point. Um, and the other one is because, I mean, you said to me like about two weeks ago, you're having like a massive kick on a peep show at the moment, which, oh, huge. I mean, it, it's weird that I realized that I think after, if I continue watching it this weekend, I've watched it all the way through twice in the last month, which is a new record for me. But um, yeah, because of that, I um, decided to get hold of uh, Dishonesty is the Second Best Policy by David Mitchell, which is him kind of like reading out all of all of the articles and stuff. It's a collection of articles, I should say, uh, that he did for, I can't remember what newspaper, uh, between 2014 and I think last year, 2019. So, I mean, it's quite interesting because it's got his views on like stuff like Brexit, which... I, I never thought I would say that word on the show, but David Mitchell... I mean, you know what David Mitchell's like. He's His words on it are just going to be ridiculous and true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his column is uh, for The Guardian. Thank you. I thought it was The Guardian, but it didn't sound right in my head. <laughs> I mean, it's the one that we like. It, it's probably going to be The Guardian. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one I can probably tolerate just about. Um, mm. other than that I've got a massive reading pile of stuff that I want to be reading um, I just can't um, so I'll probably start reading all that in September next year cool <laughs> I I'm, I'm, would really like to read uh, Robert Webb's last book um, it's the one about like masculinity in, oh um, um... I have read it. I read it about three years ago. Um, how not to be a man? Yeah. How 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 is that? Would you recommend it? Definitely. It was really good. Not what I expected at all. Um, and that said, I don't know what I expected. Um, it's a very interesting look in his life, how he got to where he is, all of the struggles and stuff like that that came with it, along with his like relationship with both of his parents. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's it's very much an autobiography of sorts, but it doesn't feel like your conventional biographical stuff. Mm. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it though. I don't want to spoil it too much because I well I say I don't want to spoil it, and I can't remember much of it at the moment. <laughs> uh. Other question: If Barack Obama was to turn up in the Dresden Files, uh, what would you want him to be doing? Cleaning up Chicago the only way he knows how. 
by taking out the trash. I'm a big fan of everything you do here, Dresden. Turn, turns out he's like... That there's like a step of wizard above the Merlin, and they just don't they just don't listen to him very often. It turns out to be Barack Obama. <laughs> I am known as the uh, the Barack. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> crazy times. I I think he actually did come from Chicago. Yeah, I I mean uh, I feel I should. No, he, I know he definitely worked in Chicago. Um, was he not the senator for Chicago? He might have been. When I say he might have um, been, I mean I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure he was. I remember he was born in Hawaii. That is Illinois. That's in Chicago, isn't it? Chicago is in Illinois, yeah. Yeah, and he was community organizer. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> I, I would just love if he'd have turned up in um, Battleground. <laughs> <laughs> this is my city. I feel like... I also, I, I apologise for the terrible white British man trying to do an Obama impression. Oh, you, you um, wait. I've got an Ebenezer impression in this as well. I've been... Oh, man. You'll love oh, it. no. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean that—that's me on the reading front. Okay, cool. Uh, right then, uh, I guess it's time for um, the bit that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, diving into freaking summer night with the uh, the Paranet Book Club and. Wow, we are we are on our fourth book. This is freaking awesome. Uh, for those of you that are newcomers or don't know about it, the uh, Paranet Book Club is where we are slowly making our way through all Dresden Files, Jim Butcher created media around Dresden Files. Uh, we're going through the series. We have uh, already done Stormfront, uh, Full Moon, and grave barrel, and now we are doing summer night. That's how I'm gonna. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm gonna go with this one. That's fine. Summer night. Um. And uh, yes. Uh, so uh, I will be doing uh, last time, and then Rob will take it away with our first four chapters of summer night. <laughs> um. So. Uh, last time on Dresden Files, grave peril. Uh, we had Dresden, uh, Michael Carpenter, and Susan Rodriguez uh, taking on the Red Court of Vampires and a ghostly threat in Chicago. Everything went a bit mental, um, really. Uh, the ghosts all were getting hyped up on uh, some sort of spell that was running like barbed wire through them. Uh, Harry and Michael Carpenter were doing their best to sort it out. We, we got kind of introduced to Michael Carpenter and his whole shizness. Uh, basically, he is a, sword, a knight of the cross wielding Amarachius, uh, which has a nail from Christ's cross embedded into the blade. Uh, he fights against all sorts of wicked things, 
uh, specifically the Denarians, although they did not make an appearance in this book. Um, but he also protects the innocent and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Harry and him put away uh, a bad mama jammer uh, called Kravos, who was trying to summon a great demon from the Never Never. Uh, and unfortunately, Kravos uh, managed to survive in ghost form. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, the vampires uh, basically barbed wired him out the ass and uh, perverted him to their will. Um, and used him to attack Harry and Michael and wreak havoc in the ghost world. Uh, briefly, Harry um, and Michael were kind of playing catch-up. Uh, then they uh, faced off uh, against uh, the... Oh, the Nightmare was uh, was the name of the, the demon. Yeah, we... that's the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they faced off against Nightmare. Uh, they uh, Michael lost his sword to Leah the Lananshi, who was uh, Harry's fairy godmother. Uh, and then Harry, Michael, and Susan uh, went to a party at Bianca, the head of the Red Court uh, in Chicago, uh, her like estate. Uh, the party was uh, superb. We met Ferravax, a great dragon, uh, and also, uh, 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 Thomas Wraith, uh, who will be a bigger character going forwards, who is the kind of son or, or princeling, I guess, of the uh, head of the White Court, another court of vampires that specialise in leeching off emotions, uh, colloquially known as sex vampires. <laughs> um Everything uh, came to a head at the party, and uh, Michael's sword was going to be broken by the head of the Black Court, Mavra. Um, uh, not the head, she's like a countess, I guess, but a, a high-ranking member of the Black Court uh, and Bianca working together were going to break Michael's sword by using it to kill an innocent uh Everyone kicked off uh, because ain't no one having any of that shit. And uh, Susan Rodriguez and uh, Thomas Wraith's partner, uh, Justine, both got taken by the vamps. Uh, Thomas, Michael and Harry rallied, however, uh, and staged a daring rescue through the nether nether into Bianca's manor. Harry was the only one to make it through uh, because Leah the Lanunchi stopped them and tried to take Harry. Uh, when he got there, Harry found that Susan had been bitten and that Justine was essentially like a, a heavily um, mentally ill uh, sufferer patient um, in uh, without any medication and in great stress, uh, Harry tried. Uh, well, he successfully defeated uh, Kravos and staged a daring escape with uh, Susan and uh, Justine. Uh, he was confronted by the Red Court and uh, Duke Ortega, a uh, kind of 
Redcourt noble, I suppose you would you would call it, who was basically presiding over um, events playing out as Bianca was trying to trap Harry into starting a war with the vampires, or more threatening to start a war with the vampires if Harry did anything. Um, Harry, in the end, decided, fuck it, let's just do this, and start kicked off the war uh, by essentially turning the spirits of everyone Bianca had killed at her manor against her and her vampires in this huge necromantic uh, ectomantic uh, cataclysm uh, which was this incredible swirling vortex of ghosts let out everywhere unfortunately that also kicked off the war with the vamps uh, they weren't too happy and uh, we ended the book with the white council saying that they were coming to Chicago to find out what the hell Dresden had done. And that's where we start Summer Night. Yeah. Intense. I mean, I'm not going to say Summer Night like that. I don't even I get that high. I'll practice and do it next week. It's okay. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, chapter one. Uh, the opening line to this I absolutely loved. It rained toads the day the White Council came to town. Um, yeah, so Harry begins investigating the Toad Rain. We catch up a bit with uh, Billy Borden, uh, who you might remember as the werewolf from Full Moon. Um, mm -hmm. He's been kind of keeping Harry updated on weird and magical stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah, they're, they're worried. He's worried about Harry. His little group of wolf friends—they're all worried about Harry. He's he's a mess since Susan left, rightfully so. Um, in any case, they're together now, collecting toads and shit. Um, Harry's trying to determine whether or not the toads are real or constructs. Um, while this is going on, Billy's trying to, you know... It feels like he's trying to invite him to the school disco. He's just like, oh, do you, do you want to come over and hang out? It'll be good for you to socialise. We'll play some role-playing games and stuff. Um... Which I, which I liked. I, I'd love more of uh, the Borden club, to be honest. Um, we learn that since the last book, the Vampire Wizard War is now in full swing. Um, Harry himself is currently a primary target for assassination as well. Um, Billy Billy brings this up as well, and he, he reveals that word has got around about this. The magical community in Chicago is very unsettled they're aware of everything that's been going on um and there's there's a nice line that he makes here because like i say harry's been not really taking care of himself he, he's very much a bit of a mess and you know as a result of susan's condition and her leaving and her last words to him if you remember in fact if you just remember the entire scene he proposed to her and she turned him down and her words were um don't contact me again if you know i'll i'll be in touch with you when we need to talk which is pretty brutal as far as breakup goes um so yeah but i mean billy gives him some wise sage advice of it doesn't make you superman like everyone needs help sometimes which 
I know. I I feel that's a really relevant line, especially lately, with everything that's going on in the world. Um, Certainly. Yeah. Um, that's probably why I wrote that note down in the notes, and I really liked it. But yeah, move, moving on from there, Bill Billy's been uh, kind of keeping tabs on Harry's like uh, clients, uh, his mail down at his little office. Um, and yeah, he's booked up a meeting for him with uh, Miss Somerset, which. Harry's annoyed with because the the meeting's like in the next hour kind of thing, and he looks like haggard as shit. So mm. professional, I guess. Um, and at this point, Harry and Billy come under fire by gunmen and are also attacked by a vicious ghoul. Uh, this turns out to be an assassin. Uh, can't even say it. This turns out to be uh, an assassination attempt. And there's a bit of a battle that goes down here, which is pretty pretty intense for the first chapter. Um, in any case, Harry takes out the ghoul, all is resolved, and he decides to leave the toads. And Billy's like, "Oh, what? What? How? What? Why?" And he's like, "Because when we were attacked, the toad pissed in my hand. It's real." Um, yeah, we roll on to chapter two. <laughs> Um, Harry drops Billy back at home, and yeah, he he's looking in the mirror, like the car mirror, and deciding I I I do look like shit. I should probably clean myself up, but I don't have time because I have to go to this meeting. We find out as well it's been nine months since the events of uh, Grave Peril. Um, in that time, Harry has been spending a lot of time in his lab with Bob. Um kind of continuing what he vowed to do at the end of the previous book, which is find like a way to uh, suppress the vampire gene, I guess, in uh, Susan, or or try and create a vaccine for it. Um, I think it's fair to say he's not had any luck with that. Um, yeah, in any case, he buggers off to his uh, office for the appointment. And when we get there, we meet the uh, client, a stunning white-haired lady. Um, given the state of the office and his appearance, she's very much in doubt that Harry can be of any use to him. Her, sorry. Any use to her. Um, she mentions yeah. that she's aware of like how wizards work. She's aware of the soul gaze and all that kind of jazz. Um, and insists that they do a soul gaze because it's probably the only way that she can tell that he'll actually be of use to her. And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sure, let me just get my uh, pen and paper out of the drawer. And he pulls a bit of a hand solo and pulls a gun on her. Um, <laughs> demands that, you know, put your hands on the desk. And he, he pulls out an iron nail and just rolls it towards her hand. And it's not until it gets within reach of her fingernail that she reacts to it and pulls her hands back, revealing that she's a fairy. Uh, this test is enough for the client to decide that Dresden is still in a really good mental state and is good enough to help her with her quest, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, the client tells Dresden that he has no choice but to help, and you know, Dresden's giving up this whole 
kicking up the whole thing. Like, if you remember the previous book, he came to an agreement with uh, Lee, Leah, the Lianchi, whatever you want to call her, that he's got a year, what is it, a year and a day until she can, you know, come back and try and claim his soul or whatever. Um, and the client yeah. reveals that she has bought uh, his debt from the Lianchi and begins to, like, prove this by asserting her power over him, forcing, like, Harry to grab, like, a letter opener, steel letter opener of that, so it's gonna fucking hurt, and basically stab himself in the hand, which, if you've ever done that with a letter opener, I haven't, it's, it's probably painful, who knows? Um, and then we get the tasty, tasty, tasty reveal of who the client is. And again, I've written down the name here. The quote, sorry. I have many names, but you may call me Mab, Queen of Air and Darkness. And then we roll into chapter three. Um, Dresden shows <laughs> he he is scared, like, and with good reason. The Queen of Air and Darkness is not someone you want to trifle with at the best of times. Um, and she states that he is very wise to be afraid of her. And there's, there's a line here which, I mean, I think it's interesting that he throws this line out in relevance to where we are now in like the series. Um, but he makes it clear that at his current power level, doing anything to her with his, like, you know, going all out with his maximum amount of power would do absolutely fuck all to her. It might rustle her hair, if he's lucky. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but in any case, despite stabbing himself in the hand and all that, he still refuses to help, which, I mean, I guess I would refuse out of anger, but I'd probably reluctantly yeah. refuse and tell her to go fuck herself at the same time. Um, in th at this moment, Mab offers Harry a deal. If he completes any free tasks given to him by her, she will fulfil his debt, freeing him of his like previous contract with the Lianchi. Um Harry accepts this. No, he probably knows there's going to be some fae trickery here going on, but he accepts, and his first task is to investigate the murder of one Ronald Raoul. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that until Ronald Ruel. Yeah, Ronald Raoul. Ronald Ruel. Well, yeah, some guy. Ron And what we know about him at the moment is this guy is dead, and he was an artist. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mab tells Harry that. While he's carrying out this task, he is an emissary of the Winter Court, and it's probably fair that he should expect to meet or bump into the emissary of Summer as well. So we have that to look forward to later. And then we roll into Chapter 4. Um, we skip ahead a bit. Harry attend, like, makes his way to the White Council meeting. As he pulls up outside the location, he's putting on his robes, and a truck pulls up with an aged wizard behind the wheel. Pass, good to see you again. And it's Ebenezer fucking McCoy, 
Harry's mentor after Justin Dumont. How was that, by the way? Strong, strong. Awesome. <laughs> um, Played by one Sean Connery. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn you, 2020! <laughs> Damn you! Um, yeah, we're introduced to Ebenezer McCoy, who is Harry's is was Harry's mentor slash carer after um you know he he murdered Justin Dumont. Um and we also meet at the same time two other members of the White Council, Martha Wash Martha Washington and Listens to Wind, aka Injun Joe. Both ally, allies of McCoy, and the three of them together are the side of the council that kind of opposes the current Merlin. So, I mean, in in short, the three of them plus one of their other allies, who we find out is deceased, are the reason that Harry is alive. Um, it's count- funny that the uh, the Injun Joe name doesn't really hasn't really stuck around much. No, I was, I was thinking that because I referred to him as Injun Joe for a very long time, and I only switched up because they I noticed they slowly stopped saying it in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we find out they're the reason why Harry is alive. Probably for the best. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And the reason behind this is that when Harry killed Justin Dumont the White Council. I mean, using magic to take a life, it breaks the laws of magic, as we already know and has already been established. Um, and the White Council would have just executed him on the spot, which is their usual reaction to this. Um, but it was thanks to McCoy, Martha, Listens to Wind, and another member that the vote kind of swang in favour of, you know, Harry's just a kid, etc., etc. And then he went to live with McCoy, and he didn't learn... I think it's said that he didn't learn magic as such off McCoy. He kind of just learned... I, I, get, I can't remember how it was described, but like life skills, basically. He learned patience, which I guess if you're flinging magic around is something you need. Um, mm. And we get another little uh, tease here, where um, Martha Washington notes that Harry has his mother's eyes. And, I mean, it's interesting to say that, but you're probably wondering how come she's never seen his eyes before if he's if they're the reason that he's alive. And the reason behind that is Harry had a bag over his head when he faced the council as a child. Um, yeah. Uh, as we move along, Listens to Wind drops another little mention here of uh, Tara West, who you may remember from Full Moon, and she sends her regards, which is very nice of her. And then we get into a bit of bicker with Martha and the other two allies who mentioned that the deceased ally I mentioned earlier, Simon Pietrovic, he is, well, as, as you can gather, he is deceased. He is the uh, White Council's expert on vampires. So pretty convenient or inconvenient for them, I guess. Um, I learned something really interesting about him when I, I searched him up. Go on. Uh, that I completely didn't know. Uh, Simon Petrovic in Dresden Files Canon was Justin DeMorne's teacher. Oh! 
That's interesting. Yeah. Just just uh, throw that one out there. That, that I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that is very interesting. Um yeah, um the the rest of the White Council, as as I've previously explained, they don't trust Harry in the slightest because he murdered Dumorn, which is why they had him under the Doom of Damocles in Stormfront, if you remember that far back. Um and let's just say he hasn't really won them over by starting a war with the Red Court, which is fair enough, I suppose. Um, the council want there to be consequences and punishment to Dresden, and without Simon being there, uh, it's very likely that the council will have their way and punishment will be passed onto Harry. And that is where we uh, finish for this week in terms of those chapters. So, um. I, the first thing I wanted to point out here, because it was really bothering me, um, and I don't know about you, but I, I started listening to the audiobooks with changes, so book 12. Um, yeah. And the first thing that stuck out to me is, uh, this isn't really the overall story or anything, but the narration by James Masters, I feel his voice for Mab when I started listening was spot on how I imagined it. It's that kind of velvety smooth voice that kind of eh, yeah <laughs> it demands like <laughs> obedience i guess it, it's how you expect mab to talk whereas here he's given her a bit of a russian yeah. accent and uh, i mean I, I quite like it anyway but at the same time it just really threw me off i yes i know exactly what you mean <laughs> um it's it's a choice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that's that's something you've got to take in mind, I guess, going forward. Like, I guess the more he does the characters, the more kind of into it he gets, and he settles on an, on how they're meant to sound or how he thinks they should sound. So, I know it it wasn't really think, a massive deal. I just found it interesting that she had a Russian accent. I think accents and nationality are really interesting. Um, in voice acting and acting in general, really, because when you're first introduced to a character, it's something that you really pick out yeah. and notice. And then it's something like that can very quickly fade into the background. Um, so I guess he must've made a conscious choice to make a Russian there. But I guess as, as you get further into the character, those surface level things kind of, you, you, you kind of move past that and just start to, focusing on on what their actual personality is like and yeah um i wonder if it, it's down that sort of route it's an interesting point though yeah i mean um i yeah i i think mab in general is just a fantastic character yeah what what did you think of her first appearance here i i love the mystery that the the, the kind of around her. I mean that's uh she is that's kind of what I liked about the Russian accent actually because I remember it being Mab but like I say because I didn't listen to the audiobooks until much later in the series when when it had the voice that wasn't the voice he uses for Mab later on I was then in a lot of doubt I was like oh maybe, yeah. maybe it wasn't Mab and I was just making that up in my head <laughs> Um, no, I, I think I think she's very well done. I think the power level is conveyed very well. Like you get a very like 
danger feeling. Yeah. Uh, from Dresden. Um, I think this book does a great job in general in these chapters of setting things up straight from the get-go. This is what's happening um, and everything's about to kick off. Um, and part of that is stepping up from, okay, so you remember how much of a headache Leah, the Lenonshi was. She's still around, but here's her boss. Here's the next step up. And you remember what a absolute ball buster. Um, oh my God. Uh, Morgan was yeah. in the, uh, in the first book. Well, here's the entire white council and they're in Chicago. Oh, and there's a vampire war going on. And Harry's at a loose end. He's not got his stabilizing forces in his life like Susan. Um, and he's turning away people like Billy. Like, you can already see, like, here's how the stakes are rising. Here's how the stakes are rising on a personal level. Here's how they're rising on, like, a global level. I mean, uh, Masters of the White Court, a million times higher power level than than Harry, um, are being taken out like freaking mafia dons in a, in the middle of a gang war. White um, Sorry. What did I call them? White Court, which is... I think we've made that mistake oh, a lot, to be fair, but... Yeah. That's a... That, Daniel Green uh, pulled that one out, didn't he? It was like one of the things that he... If he could change anything in the Dresden Files, it would be that the White Court and the White Council were two... were named completely differently. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I would have liked it if the Vampire Courts had gone down like... Because we know that there's a Jade Court and everyone freaking freaks out every time they get mentioned but uh we know that there's a jade court um if they'd gone for like the red court was like the ruby court the black court was like the obsidian court and the white court was like the ivory court or the pearl court yeah i'd be uh, i i would have just liked a bit i mean hmm, how do i say it i think i said it at the end of the last book i expected the books following grave peril to be like yeah, a bit of, I know, I guess we did have a bit of a time skip, but you're seeing more of the war, whereas what we're only getting is Harry's perspective on it, like I don't know how to word it like you're hearing about key events like, I know, the Red Court vampires bomb like a um, White Council headquarters in Utah or somewhere like that and yeah. you hear about it through Harry, who's hearing about it through some random-ass wizard. And I, I guess I expected him to be like, the next couple of books are just Harry just endlessly sweating vampires with his staff. And, I mean, I'm kind of glad that's not what we got. I... I... Like, I mean, like I said last time about how, how I feel about it's like um, a wartime film noir like Casablanca or something mm. where uh the the war is just something that is happening that is generating more peril and drama but isn't the focus of the plot I guess um and I, and I feel like that's what the vampire war does as well is that it generates drama 
and it generates more plot points without um, becoming the whole the whole narrative. But I, I I know what you mean. Um, on on the other side of the spectrum, there is what I call the Deep Space Nine problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is that because Harry is constantly based in Chicago and we never really pull away from Chicago, if a big event happens that we ha- that we want Harry to be involved with, it has to happen in Chicago. Yeah. So the White Council rocking up like the White Council have to come to Chicago, Harry can't go to the White Council kind of thing, which in later books Jim starts to become a bit more flexible with. Yeah. But certainly at this point it's very much no it has to be in Chicago. Um so I yeah, I don't know there's it it, it the Dresden Files at several points really, really pushes the limits of uh like oh god. Uh my brain's just jelly, I'm sorry. That's uh that pushes pushes the like uh suspension. It, it, the suspension of disbelief. It pushes the limits of it. And the whole thing where it's like it's raining frogs in the middle of Chicago, in the middle of a city. And they even say that a couple of meteorologists have rocked up. Um, and then everyone's just like, ah, oh, it, it was just a thing that happened. <laughs> um, and the whole of the White Council getting together in the middle of Chicago, that 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 puts strain on my uh, my suspension of disbelief. I, I would say. Yeah, fair enough. I suppose. How do you find it? that a bit i mean kind of the same i i'm fine i guess overall i'm fine with it like it's weird weird (laughs) kind of where i yeah i I feel there are weirder things in the series that kind of make me go huh (laughs) no that that that, that made me kind of doubt or question it more there there is an awful lot that gets a pass yeah but <laughs> eh, it's a, it it only gets worse from here for that. So we we probably shouldn't start complaining yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, what I wanted to bring up before I forget was um where we are at the start of the book, like nine months after Grave Peril. I mean, what yeah. do you have any opinions on that? Because I, in my head, it the the time skip wasn't that long. I mean, I guess nine months isn't that long, really. But I, in my head, it was much shorter. Like it was like just a few weeks. Yeah, um, I thought it was. I thought it was more recent. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I almost saw it as like back to back. But I, I guess it it, ge- it gives Harry enough time to kind of slump into a depression. Yeah, that's true. Dwell on uh, the, uh, mistakes. Yeah. Um. I guess yeah. That's the. 
that's the necessary amount of time for that to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird one that I don't know quite how I feel. Um, narratively, I'm like, I, it, it's fine. <laughs> I think you need to give them some time to give all the characters a bit of room to grow and change. Yeah. Um, if anything, I would, in some ways, I would have made more of the time skip because I don't think we really, I don't think it really makes more of it than it's it's just like Harry's been in a, in a depression for a while. Yeah. Um. But towards the end of the last book, we heard that the White Council were coming to Chicago. That's a good point. It took them nine months to get that sorted. I mean. I guess with a war going on, it I, I guess it kind of went down their to-do list. Yeah, I suppose. But, no, I think that's, okay. that's probably why I assumed, or had it in my head, that there wasn't much time between them. Yeah, that I think that was why I had it. Yeah. I feel if you made that much... <laughs> I feel if you made that much of a fuck-up at work, for example, your boss would be like, I need to see you immediately let's sup- set up a meeting for tomorrow or earliest of like early next week latest of early next week not like oh yeah you you've sold all our assets in your first day um we'll talk and now about... we're at war with freaking hungary yeah we'll we'll talk about it in nine months <laughs> we'll just save it for your yearly review yeah may as well <laughs> it's coming up anyway <laughs> In nine months. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, the whole thing with Harry's debt and Mab. I'm, I'm not sure that there's much to really talk about there. It's just, uh, again, it's a good way of uh, upping the ante because it feels like Harry could kind of fuck around with the Lenonshi. Like, yeah. they were at a she had she had more power, but he could kind of. There was ways around her. Yeah, you, you don't fuck around with Mab. No one fucks around with Mab. It's also a good way of bringing Mab into it, like um having her first appearance being her kind of establishing that Harry's life is in her hands, kind of thing. <laughs> and that never changes. <laughs> Nope, get used to it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really enjoy that. Really enjoyed the little Terror West nod as well from the White Council. Yeah, same. That was quite from, nice. From uh, the twins. Um, I like his little uh, raccoon companion as well. Yeah. It's just, I think he goes as well. The raccoon. I've not. I haven't seen him recently. I can't. I don't know either. We'll keep an eye on that yeah. one and bring it up when it stops being a thing. <laughs> um, I like the the little mention of like Billy's uh, tabletop gaming nights. Yeah. Which that, that made me very happy. Which is what leads into the um uh the tabletop role playing game in real life. It's kind of based around their games, isn't it? Yeah, so the idea is is that they make it into like a tool to practice dealing with like magic situations. 
Um, it's interesting. I like it. Yeah. I, I like I like a game to have an in-universe like reason for existence. That's quite rare. <laughs> it makes me think a bit of like uh, Gwent and The Witcher. Yeah. It's very... Yeah. That. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. I, I think that that's about it. Uh, like you say, that opening line is absolutely solid. Uh, yeah, and I quite like the uh, the whole like no man is an island from Billy. Yeah, um, I feel like that's something that Harry struggles with throughout the books, and it's interesting because it's quite a common protagonist issue to have that they they always see themselves as having to be the protagonist. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I I like it when it's confronted. Um, I mean the. I know I bring up a lot, but the the Harry Potter books did a bit on that um, in the fifth book, and I always felt like it was something that I wish they'd explored more. Um, I quite like the idea of the protagonist of a book mm. of of a series like this, at least, on uh, with like a a one off story, actually not being the center of everything, um, <laughs> but believing that they have to be, yeah, kind of. Um, and it's a very like classic hero anti hero dynamic where it's like I I deal with the creatures of the night so that my friends can live in the light <laughs> sort of sort of thing. Absolutely. Um and it's just like for fuck's sake, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I like it. I like it a lot. That's that's about it for my thoughts on it. Um, on these on these first four chapters, absolutely great way to kick off everything. Uh, anything else from you, Rob? Um, not really. I was kind of following on from what you just said. It's it's a really strong start to the book, like very similar to um, uh, Grave Peril, where both kind of kick off in the middle of something else going on. Yeah. Instead of being like him waking up in the morning and being like, oh, I guess I guess I better go to the office and see what's up. <laughs> I believe that's what we call in the in the biz, in media res. <laughs> I mean, my memory of Stormfront and Full Moon is that he's kind of just plodding along and then towards the end of the first chapter he'll get a phone call from Murphy being like, there's a dead body and we need you. And then that kind of kicked yeah, off everything. Like, Whereas these ones are very much kind of kajow. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> Instead of going from A, B, and C, it goes from A, yeah, and then to Z, and then back to B. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Of course it does. <laughs> Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um, yeah. So I think that 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 pretty much ends it. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, Rob, do you want to take us out? Uh, yeah. Uh, as be- as we stated at the start, we apologise for the delay. We do have lives, surprisingly. Um, and as always, 
thank you for all the support. We've crossed over 3,000 downloads, which, again, is uh, it's not quite 9,000, but we're getting there. Um, uh, as always, share, follow, subscribe. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, you name it, we're there. If you name it and we're not there, let us know and we'll sort that out. Um, follow yeah. us on the social medias, the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. And also we have an email address in the description if you just want to send an email instead. Yeah. Yeah, if you want, if you want to chat, I'll chat. I like to chat. Yeah. can be about Dresden. can be about how your day's going. You know, yeah. get in touch. <laughs> um, yeah, and next week we'll be I doing. Be next week we'll be doing chapters five, six, seven, and eight of Summer Night, and yeah, crack open a can of Coke, baby, because you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Learn, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye.